TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. But joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, as he does each and every Wednesday, is Brian Scalabrini of NBC Sports Boston. He's brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh, and by John Sewer and Drain Cleaning, the name to know when your drains don't flow. How are we doing this week, Scal? I'm doing very well. How are you guys? We're doing well. We were talking about uh, Joe Mazzula. And him saying that the expectations around this team uh, are high, that the team is entitled. Uh, he said that multiple times, uh, his own words, before he was asked directly about it. Um, how do you view those comments from Joe Mazzula? Do you think the team is entitled? I think, I think he meant to say, well, I don't know what he meant to say, but I, I think he was alluding to, like, I think they're, they think that they could just show up and win. And everybody knows in the NBA, you can't just show up and win. You got to like, especially when teams are circling you on their calendars, like we're going to beat Boston in Boston. The crowd's always amazing. So everyone gets like jazzed up for that. And a lot of times, and I think in the past, we get a lead. And I think it happened last night against Indiana. Get a lead and we think we're entitled to this win. And you don't have to do all the little things that it takes to win. And you clearly see when this team is doing all the little things, they are superior to every team in the NBA, but those little things are hard to do. And, and, and everybody lets go of the rope, you know, all the time, like throughout the NBA season, you know, 82 games, all that stuff. But the idea is to, as soon as you let it go and the team goes 6-0, you're supposed to bounce back and, like, get it going uh, in the right direction. You're supposed to do that with what Joe Mazzula calls the margins, right? Rebounding the ball. It was pretty embarrassing yesterday. As good as we were, how does Indiana have 31 second-chance points heading into the fourth quarter? I mean, that is an insane number. And that's like, oh, we're just entitled to go get that defensive rebound. No, you go and earn it every day, every possession. So I didn't have a problem with the message. I thought the message was, was pretty clear, like, okay, this is what we have to do. We have to fight, and we have to fight for every possession if we're going to win a championship. Scal, we're just a couple weeks away from the trade deadline. Do you see the Celtics making any moves ahead of that deadline, or are they going to wait for the buyout market? Do you see any possibility that time? Um, I don't. I don't know if. Uh, I think it's really hard to upgrade Sam Hauser and Peyton Pritchard. I, I think there there probably is a player out there that they can go go and get, but it's not easy. And then that player has to fit in with the whole team and. And everything like that. So I don't, I don't know if there is a guy. But you know, when you guys probably had conversations with me, and and the whole Derek White thing happened, and I'm like, I I, I saw Derek White play, but I didn't realize how good he was until 
probably that year and then maybe even after that the following year. So, so you know, I think if they make a move, and it could be a move, but we're just like, oh, okay, like I heard he's all right, and that guy could end up being like a, a big-time uh, factor in the, in the NBA playoffs. But I, I just think it's really hard to upgrade what we currently have right now. Scal, I'm curious about the uh, the way the locker room sort of reacting. Obviously, the team's very good, and they have a very good record. Um, they had a good record in the years with Marcus Smart, and he sort of played a role in the locker room and leadership uh, ways and sort of as a disruptor and an agitator. Do they have someone like that in this locker room? And if not, are they better off not having one? I don't know about all that. I don't know that, that last question. I don't know if, it's, if they're better off or not. I do know this, and I think I've been pretty clear with this. I think your best players have to be your leaders, and I think that doesn't mean that other guys like Al Horford can't speak and, and you know, uh, Drew Holiday, who's been there before, but I really like what I've been seeing from Tatum and Brown, and I think they've shown great leadership throughout this season, but I think they're in January, the rapid-fire games, and then, you know, the all-star breaks coming up, and then go look at our March schedule with all the road games. Like being a leader is hard every single day. You got to do it. So I just, I just wonder, like, is it is it kind of wearing on them a little bit in January? That's kind of why I feel like our play has been a little inconsistent. But I think that I like the fact that those those two guys have stepped up, and I think they're way more vocal. And you can see them like talking to guys coming out of timeouts. And Jason Tatum the other day when we turned the ball over, he shook his head like, "What are we doing?" So I like that part of both those guys growing. But, man, it's hard to do it every single day. I've seen some of the best have a hard time doing it in the dog days of the NBA, you know, January, early February, and then kind of like that start of March. So I guess then, you know, when I ask if they're better off without someone like that, they are because now they have an opportunity to be leaders themselves without someone like Marcus Smart sort of taking on that role then. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, I I, I 100% agree with that. I think – I think it's good to have a Marcus Smart. I just don't think that it's good for him to be the like the entire voice of the of leadership, right? I, I just I just always believe. I mean, it's just, I mean, my, my it's only because of my perspective, right? Jason Kidd was the leader when I was in the Nets. It was the best way to do it. Like he when, when he spoke, everyone listened. Kevin Garnett and even like Paul Pierce, but Kevin Garnett was not as outspoken, but he was the guy, the driving force behind all that. I think that was. Uh, I think that was the way it had to be. And I and that's just my my experience of being on really good teams. So I think that the best players have to be the guys who are, you know, are putting it out there every single day. I want to ask you about uh the etiquette of other teams shooting at your basket in the middle of the game because <laughs> I heard Missoula after the game last night. He was ready to run around and swat shots. He wanted his assistant coaches doing it, players doing it. Uh what was the etiquette for you guys in like, you know, Oh seven, oh eight. Those Garnett teams. What was the etiquette about teams shooting on your basket? Give me, give me, give me an example. What, I didn't hear Joe Mazzula go so, off. But, so, Buddy, it. Buddy Heald was shooting continuously at the Celtics basket last night uh, in, during timeouts, television timeouts, and things like yeah. that. And I guess he yeah. he does not want that happening. He's instructed players, assistant coaches, whomever, to swat the shot. <laughs> Finally, Joe Mazzula is showing his personality. Because Joe's a little bit of a savage like that. He's all about that psychological warfare. So I'm all for it. If Joe thinks that there's an advantage for Buddy Hill doing that, then I'm all for it. I think Joe was actually pissed off yesterday about our defensive rebounding. But, you know, you can bring up whatever you want to bring up after a game. And if that's what made him mad, then and that can rally your troops, then by all means you should do it. 
So you brought up Derek White earlier, and, and what a surprise addition he was. Just, I think for most people, even who people who follow the league closely, who he's become. If you're looking at this team, what rank do you put him in in terms of most critical player going into the playoffs? Um, yeah, I mean, he's right around that, like, fourth, fifth, sixth. Like, it could be any of those three. I just think, uh, you know, Tatum is probably one, Brown is two, and then Porzingis is right behind him, maybe even more because of what he provides for our team. Like, we have a bunch of wings, but we just don't have – a shot blocking big that has a, a that's a sniper from behind the three. So, so I mean, like he's all. I mean, but right after that, I mean, like all those guys are important. Like, like Holiday's defensive versatility is unmatched by anybody in the NBA. No one could do what he does. You know, Al Horford's you know the glue guy, and then you know it's, he's a winner. He's always been a winner. Everywhere he goes, he wins. Right. So, um, you know, and Derek White is you know a guy who makes clutch shots. So. Each guy has their, their own importance. Um, I, I, I can tell you this: there probably be more offensive moments where Derek White wins us playoff games than, than, than at the end. At the end, when it's all said and done, if we win, you know, 16 games to win an NBA championship, right? We play 22 games. Derek White's going to be a, a heavy offensive hand down the stretch because he's, he's just so clutch. Most of the time, the best defenders aren't guarding him, so most of the time he has a matchup that he could take advantage of. So. I could see that, but the game is to me. I mean, I, I don't know everything, but the game to me is so much more than just the guy who scores the shot at the end. Of, you know, I think it's spacing and rebounding and defending the rim and versatility and you know, like you know, instincts. There's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but there's no doubt that it's going to be easy to watch Derek White and think, where will we be offensively without him in the fourth quarter? Jones, why were you making a face when he when Scal was just talking about Drew Holiday's defensive versatility? Oh, I just I'm I'm so Marcus Smart doesn't have that versatility. That was all. I was just I was just curious. It's unmatched. Uh, that he, Smart couldn't match him. Um, I don't. No, I don't. I don't actually. No, I think Smart was right there. Smart is probably better at guarding quicker guys. And Smart is amazing guarding catch and shoot guys. Maybe the best in the league. Holiday's not good at that. Holiday's not good at, like, the slippery guys like SGA. Holiday's amazing at, at like, the, the massive guys like Clyde Leonard, which Smart has struggled against guys like that or against the MB types and stuff like that. So each one has their own ways of versatility. Marcus is, is – for for what that team needed, It was he was pretty versatile. There's not a guy besides, like, the Clyde Leonard's of the world or the LeBron James of the world that he couldn't guard. But Drew Holiday does a better job with those guys. So that's – when you spend, when I think versatility, I think – guarding up more than anything. So he could do a good job of guarding up, guarding an MB, guarding uh, uh, Zion, which didn't seem like anybody can guard Zion the other night. But I think guarding up is, uh, is going to be a big thing in the NBA playoffs. Uh, I'm curious because I was looking at the, the upcoming schedule for the Celtics. They're in the midst of a uh, seven-game homestand. Uh, I think it's four, over 14 days, something like that. So they'll be home for the Super Bowl. What What's that like being – if you guys are all on the road for the Super Bowl, that must have come up at some point during your career. How, how does that go in the NBA? Like, are you guys watching separately? Or are you watching together? How does that go? On the road, Super Bowl, big uh, big banquet room, uh, lots of cards, lots of dice, lots of betting on uh, on the next play, first down, <laughs> bet he does, bet he doesn't. A lot of that, a lot of that on the road. They are on the road. Don't they have Miami on the road? I thought they were. I thought they were home for no. Lakers, Memphis, Atlanta. Oh, no, maybe I'm right. I'm sorry. I'm off. I think they no. are in Miami, February yeah. 11th. You're right. In Miami. I think they'll be on the plane. So I was wondering how that was going, too. I'm not going to be on that trip. It's a national game. So I don't know. Do they 
pipe it through uh, on the flight or our guy just like whatever. I have no idea how that goes because I'm assuming if the game starts at two, ends at, and they're on the plane at six, isn't that kickoff like right, right around? Yeah, right about there, yeah. Yeah, so I, I've, I've actually, to be honest with you, I've never been in the air for the Super Bowl. So I don't know if they're going to go back to the hotel, watch it, hmm. and fly uh, to New York. I have no idea their schedule. But you and Drew going to watch I've it never, together? I'm, I'm not on that game. Aww. I'm not on that game. Bummer. It's extra, a national game. Maybe an extra night in Miami. You think, you think, it, it sounds like it could be an extra night in Miami. It sounds like you think that mine and Drew's relationship is cute. It does sound like that, Mago. <laughs> no, I just want to know, like, did you have plans on South Beach? You know, you guys were going to go out. You said he likes no. to go out to dinner so, with you. Yeah, I like to think yeah, about so, these things. No, okay, so the difference is... I like to think that you're so, corrupting his lifestyle. <laughs> oh, it's the other way around. It's the other oh. way around. My, my wife hates Drew. That's it. <laughs> All right, well, so, Let me tell you. The, the difference is when we go to dinner, I always schedule an early dinner, and then I go to bed, and that's like Drew's warm-up. He's just getting started, so that's Wild a big man. difference between him and I. You can't handle the truth. Okay, well get <laughs> no, ready. You cannot. Too watch bad. Out, watch out, yeah. South Beach. Uh, I, I know you're missing this South Beach trip, but maybe the next one. Uh, all right, he is Brian Scalabrini. Uh, he joins us every Wednesday here on Jones and Mego. Scal, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.